0: Hello and welcome back to Book Club for the Apocalypse. I am your host, President Haley, and I am joined today by my friend Sydney. Say hi to the folks at home, Sydney.
1: Hey there, folks. How's it going? Good? Good? I'm also good. Stir crazy if I'm you know, if you're if you're like me. Yes. Yeah. Eh.
0: Yeah. yeah. This has been a really weird experience reading the book. The Girl in Red, because it centers around an apocalypse, as you may know from previous episodes, readers, from an outbreak called the cough, and we are in a unique position because we are literally living through an outbreak. Involving a cough. Involving a cough, yeah, that's one of the key symptoms. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about today, basically is sort of the reality of a cough-fueled pandemic because we're actually living through it right now and sort of how realistic and uh, terrifyingly accurate this book is in terms of the cough. So we'll go ahead and get started. Um, Just as a refresher, The Girl in Red is a post-apocalyptic book and it centers around a young adult female who is trying to make her way through a brave new world of not that many people because everyone is hemorrhaging up a lung for the most part, um, Sans family, Sans friends. She's just a lone wolf in a terrifying new world. Um, but a key part between that outbreak and what we're seeing is quarantine camps. So the book mentions a lot about how the government gets involved basically through quarantine camps, which they're wanting people to go to, and work kind of actually seeing that. Sydney, why don't you tell them about the quarantine stuff that's going on with us right now. has been going on for actually like two months. Alrighty,
1: Well, let me tell you, Haley, it's a hot mess. <laughs> so, as a, you know, some kind of biology major, I'm not going to tell you folks too much about my background because uh, don't fucking fact check me. Um, but... Yeah. um. I will quote you a little bit from the book Plagues and Peoples. Let's see, by, um, oh my God, I'm missing the bottom half of my book. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, plagues it like my dog plagues. ate it.
0: Oh, wait, does it say on the front? William
1: H. McNeil. William H. Uh, McNeil. It is worth checking out. It's a little bit dry, but like taken in pieces, it's very worth the read. Um, Let's see. So it does talk about the quarantine procedures they put in place with an equally unprecedented Black Plague in Venice when it kind of came to those ports, and, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like this quote is fitting for both of these plagues. It says, since uh, doing something was psychologically preferable to apathetic despair, quarantine regulations became institutionalized, first at Ragusa in 1465, and then at Venice in 18, or excuse me, 1485, and the example of these two Adriatic trading ports was widely imitated elsewhere in the Mediterranean thereafter. Okay. And so you can kind of see that like rather than doing nothing, like they didn't exactly know if this was going to work, but they're like, okay, well, you know, it can't really hurt to try something. And it's better than like sitting here with our thumbs up our butts doing nothing and like coughing ourselves to death. So let's try it. Um, and I feel like that's our glorious Presidente
0: with this cough syrup. Currently. yeah for sure uh so if y'all don't know the black plague was like uh what we call nowadays uh royal bagdell uh in the 1400s because <laughs> it wiped out like a 25 of the population or something crazy like that don't fact check me you don't know who i am um look it up it's terrifying but yeah so we can see even way back then pandemic breaks out quarantine happens and that's what happens in the book and that's actually what's happening right freaking now um For the past two months, we have all been required slash highly suggested to quarantine in our homes unless we are essential workers, essential being cops, healthcare workers, firemen, um... Restaurant
1: workers, staff.
0: Yes, that's a new thing. Janitorial Um, staff. Janitorial staff. I assume water maintenance. I'm spitballing here. There's a lot of... Maintenance. ...essential stuff.
1: I mean, basically just you who are the structural support to our cities we shout Mm. out
0: to you right now yeah thanks thanks guys for still working in spite of all this um but yeah we did also see um at the beginning of all this we did actually use military bases as quarantine camps for people coming in from flights from other countries um it happened to a lot of cruise ships so oh my god, the cruise ships! Jeez, <laughs> you couldn't pay Carnival. me to go. Oh god, you couldn't pay me to be on a cruise. Uh, normally, but like now. I mean, okay, okay. Norovirus, to say the least. Yeah. Oh my I god. I mean,
1: okay. One person pukes on a cruise ship, and the whole ship's gonna get it. Oh, for say sure. Say nothing of stuff like coronavirus. Oh god. And then you all get to be quarantined together. One, like, happy little family of 2,000 angry people for about two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah, I would uh,
0: jump off the boat. I would rather drown in the sea. I will take my chances with the sharks. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's, uh, yeah, quarantine. So in the book, they mention quarantine camps. So it's not unheard of, but I think I mentioned before why it was super weird that they would round up literally everyone and shove them in a base, because that's a great way to get disease to spread, (laughs) as the book character mentions. But um, as you can see, that does actually happen in real life. Not to that degree, but yes, quarantine camps are a thing that's a natural reaction. It's a thing. It's a very natural reaction,
1: and I mean, I completely get that. Like, I'm...
0: and them in a way. Yeah, and like your book said, you know, when you think about it, if the government didn't do something, people would ask them why they weren't doing anything.
1: Right, and like the other thing this book mentions, like, okay, to summarize a good bit, I but, mean, I'm summarizing a large chunk of this book, <laughs> but saying, like entire religious institutions and cultural chunks are dedicated to like keeping the population from panicking. Mm-hmm. So if the government sat by and did nothing they would be remiss. I mean, yeah. we we they would not be doing justice to their position. Yeah. Like they they could literally make obscure hand gestures that meant absolutely nothing and it would probably be better than doing nothing. True. Because at least, you know, it would give, you know, people something
0: to do. Yeah, and some kind of it gives the, it's like the TSA. Does it work? Absolutely not most of the time. Right. But it gives you a sense of security.
1: Does it make you feel better? Does it make you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside? Yeah. Sure. I mean, oh my God, as a diabetic, does it feel like I get felt up every time I go to the airport? Also, yes. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh I my think about God. that. Oh, God. I just got like... Hands down, like at six like,
0: AM. Like, oh my God, you didn't even buy this. me
1: a drink first.
0: Buy me dinner. Yeah. um Yeah, for sure. Good Lord. Uh, shout no, no. out to the TSA. You should sponsor. Us. I
1: know. <laughs> One time I was wearing men's underwear. You know. At oh yeah. Detroit airport. Okay. And this lady's like, "What's in your pockets?" And I'm like, "I'm wearing my boyfriend's underwear." She's What's like, in your "She's like." Ah. she's like, I've been there,
0: sister. Oh my <laughs> God.
1: It was just a, like wordless glance and, you know, understanding was exchanged. That it is was... amazing. <laughs> like thank you for not asking any questions
0: that's hilarious oh my god i could have been a terrorist but you and i both know that i'm not she's like i read it then and moves on i don't know why i gave this detroit tsa person a texas accent i'm sorry that's not uh, what her accent was probably no i was gonna say she's definitely not from texas she's from detroit but Is you know a, whatever, like the midwest accent. michigan michigan oh my goodness um Yeah, so also other diseases that actually happen in real life only 10 short years ago in this podcast Where Are They Now segment. Let's talk about the swine flu because that was a thing we've all forgotten about even though it was only 2010. Um, Fun fact, it technically has never gone away. People still get the swine flu every year. We just don't talk about it because its celebrity status has worn off. So that should give us all some hope in that uh, a year from now, or more, it will be but a distant nightmare, all of this, hopefully. You know, I truly believe our biggest saving grace as humans is our terrible attention span.
1: it really is yeah. amazing. I mean, honestly, that reminds me. Is Australia still on fire? I
0: don't know. <laughs> I want to say it got better, but I really don't know. Someone from don't Australia... crucify me. Yeah. General public, I
1: do care. I did support the fundraisers, and That's I do good. care about Australia. But sweet, buttery Jesus, the attention of the general media is phenomenally
0: short. Yeah. I will give it to them this time, though, Is as far as having a short attention span. They've had a lot... To focus on in a very short amount of time. This is true. There's so. so much
1: misinformation. So much new information. Yeah. And so much just, I mean, is this really information? I don't know. Not really. But let's put it on TV oh. anyway.
0: Rosie. If you hear barking in the background, it's my dog who, um, for some reason, feels her perch on top of my bed is inadequate. I'm not sure why. She's taller than us right now. But it's not a cough. It's just a bork. Yeah. It's her tiny little barking. You're Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna make a prediction. This is so bold, and I know for a fact that because this is on the internet, no one's gonna attack me for this sarcasm. Um, huh? so <laughs> the time the timeline, lifeline of the swine flu. Let me paint you a picture of 2009. Uh, the swine flu came about because of a shipment of pigs from Mexico made its way to California. These pigs were infected with h1n1 virus strain now known as swine flu because it came from pigs it uh spread in california first then in texas so that's why we freaked out but um uh, i mean we're not from texas what but uh the state's too big they can't find us it's okay uh but um (laughs) uh, The swine flu came about. I'll give him three guesses. I know. Um, The swine flu happened. Uh, So it was actually, it took a whole year. So from 2009 to 2010. Also came about, like, really gained uh, attention from the media in April, which is what happened to this virus. Cycled through the population in a year. We did also have warnings then about, I think school was shut down early. It wasn't... it it wasn't canceled. It was just ended early in May for most schools. And even then it was an advisory. You didn't have to. Mm -hmm. Um, Summer passed. We went back to school, even though it was still kind of, it, it basically had two or three, I think it was three waves where it sort of spiked three times. The second wave being worse than the first, which was when school started up again and people didn't care. And then the third wave was less. And then it just kind of, completed out. Um, so yeah, it took a year. Cycle through the population. Literally, no one talks about it anymore unless it's your job to talk about it um, or study it. And it actually took a year and a half. So April of the next year is when it kind of phased out. That November of 2010 is when we finally got a vaccine for it. <laughs> so just to give a if anyone's out there. God, this sounds awful. Um, if anyone's holding out hope for a vaccine to come about, I can tell you right now it's not going to. What's going to happen is we're basically just going to have another version of the cold slash flu in the population for a year. Later, probably next year, next winter. So just in time for when you get a flu shot next year is when you'll probably have a vaccine for
1: COVID. General consensus from experts you know, don't, again, quote me on this because mm-hmm. it's like a medley of articles that I've been through and I can't give you a specific one or two mm-hmm. but seems to be like year and a half, two years on a vaccine. Yeah. Um, Which is normal. Right. I mean, they're, you know, predicting some sort of a resurgence when it gets cold again because, mm-hmm. again, a lot of viruses don't tend to do well in warm and or tropical climates. Um, so, again, with the like rise in summer temperatures like we should see kind of a decline in covid um that's what they're predicting um that's what you know like a lot of health experts have kind of been saying um but you know like we really don't know again like mm-hmm. this is all just like everyone's two cents being tossed around i mean we don't really know
0: anything is the point yeah um Ad infinitum yeah, that's kind of the thing of if you've seen a lot of articles bouncing around. I know Houston, a couple places, probably New York. Um, Rosie, have um, talked about oh uh, we're we're working real hard on the vaccine, guys. What? They are um, stop, but. Uh, and actually, a year and a half and two years is technically a sped up process because it's got to be vetted and approved by so many agencies. It has to be tested so thoroughly because they're trying to make sure that they don't kill anyone inadvertently. The from fact that
1: they're getting this through the FDA in a year and a half to two years years—that's a bureaucratic miracle. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you should be, like, wondering how somebody did that in terms of paperwork. Oh, yeah. Because it's like... Going into the DMV and finding out that there's no one else in there mm-hmm. and then having the lady smile at you, hand you a lollipop and go, oh, your papers are ready.
0: Yeah. It's... It doesn't fucking happen. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it exists for an important reason. Um, but, like, to give, like, an example... It's a four-step process. It's crazy. It really oh, it takes years yeah. and studies and, like, multiple levels and just tons of approvals. It took a while before polio was vetted even though we desperately needed it um i think don't quote me on that but like people ask or did used to ask again with the attention span uh when we're getting a zika virus vaccine we still don't have that that's been like since 2015 that people oh really it. yeah it's still not a thing uh, i mean it, i'm sure it's closer now it's been five years but again that's assuming one there's Still, been funding for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and dude, people haven't lost interest in it, and those are like, so I mean, important. Span,
1: like, yeah, people's interest has probably waned by now. Yeah. I mean, like, all the pregnant women are
0: probably worried about something else, yeah, um, which is fairly, yeah, but uh, yeah,
1: um,
0: <laughs> <sorry>. so <laughs> I think it's interesting just because we both have a background in health, and uh, you're in biology, and me in public health, uh, education wise because we had to study this stuff. So it's like, and the thing is like what we think is important and worth passing or researching isn't necessarily what the general public or the media or people who control grants and things think is important. And that's one of the biggest issues with vaccines and research is if it's not in the public eye and it doesn't, it isn't been deemed important by the powers that be, it's going to, the funding's going to stop or, dry up or not exist in general and that's
1: super unfortunate and that's
0: kind of why like some of these rare conditions
1: need like just kind of these lottery grants Mm -hmm. um because you know to the people that do have these like rare conditions you know the three or four people that have them they're like what are we gonna do about it
0: yeah there's no one on this case which is a shame um Yes. So continuing on with the last uh, real life pandemic that we're going to compare this to is the Spanish flu, which I think people are remembering was a thing again because we're talking about this. Weirdly that we jumped to the Spanish flu and we like skipped the swine flu, even though it's a lot more relevant. Um, But Spanish flu, if anyone doesn't remember learning this, um, happened right after World War I was an outbreak, was also a strain of H1N1. So that's was just a s- flu strain in general. And it also decimated a significant amount of the world population. Um, what was interesting about the Spanish flu was the amount of people between the age of 20 and 40 that died from it. So that was a very unique situation. One thing you're gonna see with swine flu and with COVID is it's going to hit or be the most, um, I guess, traumatic for people under the age of five or over the age of 65. That's normal. Rosie, you're fine. Um, she's pouting, but, um, that's normal to see that the majority of its victims for the Spanish flu was 20 to 40 was ridiculous. And I don't mean just like sick. I mean, dying in waves.
1: Because that's not really your conventionally vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. That's, like, your, like, healthy average age adults. Um, and typically that's going to be, like, you're less, like, exposed when it comes to, like, you know, just, you know, general immunity.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: um, You know, because that would be, like, younger children, older people, um, people with, like, immune conditions, um, people that are sick, um, you know, people with, like, pre-existing whatever, like... She's just (laughs) counting, God. Uh, But yeah. Um, Another little tidbit about the Spanish flu mm -hmm. is it's only called the Spanish flu because the Spanish were the only ones to give, like, accurate reports regarding the numbers. Oh, okay. From their country. Um, The other countries were crap about propaganda. I want to say that it's actually, the the outbreak was first strongest in, I want to say, I want to say, like, Italy. Or something like that. I can see that, yeah. Um, but they didn't report it. They kind of kept it under wraps for, you know, publicity's sake. And it it did kind of work out poorly for Spain because, you know, again, Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to draw that comparison to uh, the current situation with China. And, oh, man, look at the U.S.'s numbers. We're currently, like, in the millions in terms of COVID cases. But, like, you know, if you were to look at the actual numbers from China based on the population of China, you know, that is likely to be the actual numbers based on China's numbers
0: and not yeah. just the numbers
1: that China is giving us. For I'm sure. just saying
0: there's a conspiracy afoot. <laughs> that is great. I actually didn't know that about the Spanish race So that's interesting. And also great. Like you said, parallel to what we're seeing of propaganda and publicity or had took precedence over correct accurate disease reporting and action
1: i'm just tired of the lies
0: oh god yeah and that really it hurt the rest of the world for that reason yeah um stop being selfish people is all we're saying like if you were just like yo we got this thing let's close the pores be like we're on it nope that was not that was not the case why
1: can't any of you <sighs> just
0: keep a log just yeah Um, yeah, so that, so now we're going to go back, circle back to the book and why a virus-based apocalypse is not only incredibly likely, but incredibly, (laughs) stop, you're fine, um, realistic, uh, that's the style that this book has introduced. This will not be the only type of book that I'll read as far as the reason the, the apocalypse comes about in the fiction, but this is what it was. And uh, so we're gonna talk about why viruses are like the perfect killing machine. For one thing, it spreads pretty freaking silently. Um, The fact that it can take up to 14 days for a person to show symptoms of our current virus is a great one. Um, In the book, you saw people didn't, they actually had no idea what the incubation period was. And that's what it's called. When someone actually has a virus in their body, doing its virus thing but it had they haven't shown symptoms that period is known as the incubation period god yeah
1: it's just kind of dormant and replicating it's using the host's um, genetic material to replicate itself cuz it's not really like a living thing it's just kind of like these like pieces of genetic material using your genetic material to make more of itself and then lysing your cells in the process mm-hmm. Like little time bombs. Yeah. And it's really like gross and dramatic and there's nothing you can do about it. And they're like little destructive zombies.
0: They are truly the perfect killing machine because they literally exist to replicate and spread and have no other purpose. And like she said, they're technically not biologically alive. They are the undead. But yeah, it's stop it. So stop. everyone out zombies there who's are like, real. yeah, I was say, have you seen the amount of people that were like, I wanted zombies, like, bitch, these are zombies. Yeah, no, they basically are. Yeah. I was gonna say like, science, bitches. Mm-hmm. It infects you. They're just real
1: small. Yeah, real, real tiny, <laughs> real tiny <sound>, as <laughs> Look down the terrible
0: macron zombies that you never see coming. Uh, <laughs> I was
1: going to say, like, <laughs> look down. The answer was in front of you the whole time.
0: T'was that all along. Um, and as evidenced by this outbreak, we are woefully unprepared to do with a pandemic of any scale. Um, to point back to, this isn't even about a pandemic. This is really an endemic. The flu. So flu season. If people didn't know this, I've been saying, touting this uh, information this whole time. Every year, our hospitals are, in the United States at the very least, I won't speak for other countries, um, our hospitals are overrun with people claiming to be sick from the flu. Some of those people are sick from the flu. Most of those people don't need to be in the fucking hospital. They need to be at home, resting, not going to work, not getting dehydrated. And yet, keep in mind, we have a vaccine for this. Do you see masses amount of people getting the vaccine? No, but this happens every year. Our hospitals reach what is known as surge capacity just from the flu, and are completely inequipped to deal with it yearly. So yeah, the minute that I think there was some kind of news story going on, it was like uh, the reporter was asking, you know, is is the hospital system equipped for this? And my immediate answer was hard no. We have never been equipped for this. We probably never will be equipped for this. I'm, I'm really not sure. Maybe I'm just a pessimist, but I don't see us drastically changing the way we do things just because of this. But again, maybe I'm just a pessimist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, an apocalypse based on a virus outbreak is incredibly realistic. I'll give the book that. So it's pretty smart.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, just like to the, just with the extent that we're underprepared for any sort of a crisis of this magnitude or even like something of a lesser magnitude just the fact that human populations nowadays are so interconnected like we are such a global society like we should have expected that you know crises would be equally global like as soon Mm -hmm. as we saw this pop up in Wuhan like I just said that like the whitest person alive. You're fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on. Um, we probably should have stopped flights. But you know, our economy was fine until it wasn't. Yes. And I really think that, you know, kind of our sense of greed kept us going. Like or like all of those industries. We were like, okay, you know, we we really need to keep going. We really need to keep going. So we can't shut anything down mm-hmm. until we had to shut everything down. Yeah. Um, because everybody was sick yeah well like you said everything was fine until it wasn't like it just it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. and then just like I don't I don't know like I just nobody has any sense of foresight and it's like you're just watching it move in slow motion but there's so many moving parts and you can't possibly stop them all
0: yeah yeah it's like a
1: train wreck Pretty much.
0: Um, well, to end on a positive. No, Rosie's really cute. If, um, if a bit persnickety, um, she won't stop. She's an adorable grump. Pouting. Yeah. She's an adorable grump. Um, yeah. So yeah, this book, pretty good read. Um, very realistic in the type of apocalypse that it was talking about. Um, we're currently living through not, I mean, we're, we're living through a pandemic. We're not living through an apocalypse, let's be real here. Um, that's a bit that's a tad dramatic. Um but yeah, so what would
1: you say was like the worst science moment in this book? Like in this book, like the most obviously bad science moment.
0: When in the second half they revealed that there was a secondary disease and it was literally a weird alien parasite that is just a worm with teeth that eats its way out we of time temple. for the stomach burster I'm done that's what happened <laughs> so I'm like what the heck and I was like you didn't need a secondary disease but okay that was the biggest issue I had with this book was the secondary disease once that happened I was like okay I'm done with this like, well, I'm done <laughs> I was like you had me this whole time and then this happened and now I'm done that was my experience reading The Hunger Games, too. I, like, literally threw the last book at the wall. That's what I heard most people did it with the second Hunger Games. Yeah. I, I mean, the third. Mm-hmm, yeah, I like, didn't finish it. I like,
1: oh, I decided to marry Peter and have children.
0: And, and you're like, like, that's not what war-hearted veteran Katniss Everdeen would say. <laughs> um, that's what she is. If you read, if you go back and read it, I was like, is this, the, is this, like, letters from Vietnam? Like, what is this? Like, you read it, and she's just, like, this... She, she's very um, sensory-based, like, um, it was cold on my perch. The deer passed by me and I killed it. I'm happy my family has food. And the blood is getting on my pants. It was really yes. weird.
1: She's <laughs> very cut and dried. That's very
0: funny. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, we're getting off topic. Uh, but we're actually getting towards she's the last 30 wolves. minutes. She pretty much was, but she was so cool. Um, yeah, I can't braid my hair to the side without thinking like Katniss (laughs) (laughs) um all right well that's the end of this episode thank you so much for joining me Sydney thanks for having me yeah hopefully we can do this again this was fun um tune in next time to hear some discussions on other post-apocalyptic fiction and see what I'm reading next thanks bye-bye
1: bye